Hi, this is Paul Walker from Saskatoon, and you are listening to Beyond the Box. Hi, I'm Rayburn Johnson. And I'm Steve Sensenick. And this is Beyond the Box. Here's your invitation to explore life outside the box of institutional religion. This is a place where there are no walls to restrict our search for truth as we embrace the ambiguity of defining our life in Christ. So unbuckle your seatbelt, recline your chair, throw caution to the wind, and get ready for the ride that is Beyond the Box. Welcome back to Beyond the Box, everybody. Great to be back with you today. This is part four of the Loose at the Wild Goose series, and today we're going to be speaking with Logan Mel Latoury. Now, this is going to be a short episode, but I think you're going to really enjoy it. Logan has just released a book back in July, appropriately titled Reborn on the Fourth of July. Um, And in the book, he chronicles his journey from being a soldier who served active duty in Iraq to being a conscientious objector um, and someone who is pursuing peace in the way of Jesus. I think you're going to really like this episode. So let's just get right into it. And this is The Loose at the Goose, Part 4 with Logan Mel Latoury. Well, I am very pleased to be joined right now by Logan Mel Latoury. Um, Logan, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you find yourself at the Wild Goose Festival. Um... So I've been uh, I've been in North Carolina for a couple of years now, um, and Gareth Higgins, who started Wild Goose, um, I think someone introduced him to me and invited me to the first Wild Goose last year. Um, I actually bought a ticket already, and then he invited me to be a speaker. Um, I've been in the military for six years, um, and I applied to be a, consci- a non-combatant conscience objector back in 2006. After five years in the military, um, and I was actually asking to remain in the military uh, after a combat deployment, facing a second combat deployment, uh, but I found that as a Christian, I couldn't, I, I, I could not be um, directly responsible for killing other people, mm. killing enemies. I was called to embrace and not eviscerate. Mm. Um, and so Gareth, Gareth knew a little bit about that, and he invited me to Wild Goose, and um, I'm just trying to bring another perspective, another. Um, on a social justice issue, concern to wild goose, um, and make sure that um, war and rumors of war and, and military service are not um, uh, forgotten about or, or just kind of not addressed um, out of our discomfort. Uh, military service can, re- can be really polarizing for some communities. Um, but uh, for the last several years, four or five years now, we've had uh, a higher rate of suicide for veterans and service members than any other demographic. Yeah. Um, in 2009, 2010, there were more active duty service members who killed themselves than were killed in combat. Um, wow. And this year, actively serving troops, um, as in not veterans, people who are still in service, um, the rate is currently, as of right now, uh, we're in, in June, 
uh, the number's been one every day. Um, wow. Prior it had been uh, about eight a month, and now we're one every day. And if that continues, it'll double the rate of suicide for, for service members um, in one year. And it, even last year was already a record for our entire nation's history. So um, I think now, more than ever, um, God's calling the church to really kind of discern a little bit more credibly um, where God and country begin and end and how to have conversations that allow us to see that clearly as opposed to kind of get fall into one camp or another and get comfortable there and forget about the other camp, whether we're, we're patriotic and we have a flag, you know, right next to the, the altar or we're, we're pacifist and we, you know, we, we say that the flag has no claim over our lives and therefore we have no responsibility to it. I think both of those kind of extremes, and I'm, I'm being generic for a reason, um, either one of those extremes I think is not helpful because we have a number of people in the military who are there for very good reasons, who are um, doing the best they can with the system that they were born into. Um, and I think, on the one hand, we really need to honor the service that they're voluntarily offering, um, but we also need to be critical and draw a line where, as Christians, we are called not to cross. And for me, I think that, that violence, direct violence, is one of those things that, that Christians can never be called to. Um, well, let, let me ask you, you um, here at The Goose, you're, you're releasing your new book, Reborn on the 4th of July, in which you recount your experience as a soldier and then as a conscientious objector. Can you tell, can you tell our listeners a little bit about, um, about how that transition happened for you and maybe, uh, maybe your service in the military? What caused you to kind of come to this um, crisis point where you had to make a decision? Um, yeah, so a lot of people think that there was like one moment or like, uh, I, I think the one moment for me was my baptism on July 4th, 2006. But what led up to that were a number of moments, um, even the, the military regulations uh, for conscience objection uh, require that a service member recount their quote-unquote crystallization of conscience. What was the one moment, just like you're talking about, was the one moment that, you know, acted as a turning point. But in reality, I, I don't think that there really was one moment. Um, there were a series of moments that brought me to increasing clarity about what I was called to as a Christian. And many of them, I would say, were crystallizing in nature. Um, the first, after I came back from Iraq in 2005, I was dating a woman whose family and friends embodied a much deeper sense of Christianity than I had growing up in Orange County where we have uh, the Christopher Cathedral and we have the Real Housewives of OC and all this stuff. You know, all the superficiality definitely makes its way into the religion, or it did in, in my experience. Um, and her family and um, other people that I was interacting with, uh, uh, Bible study leader at, of all places, the Salvation Army that I was going to, um, really challenged me to take my, my own faith more seriously. And as I began doing that, I realized um, there are these really difficult sayings of Jesus that I couldn't get around, like, love your enemy, um, bless and do not curse um, those who persecute you. Um, and that was really difficult to consider, like, I was an artilleryman. I was a Ford observer. I was in an infantry, infantry unit for 14 months in, in Iraq in 2004. And people can get justified however they want. I could not successfully um, justify loving my enemy at the end of a rifle barrel or at the end of a howitzer barrel. Um, but on the other hand, um, I, I felt very strong connections with the men and women that I served alongside, and I felt like that, that discharge was not, not something I, I felt called to do, for lack of better language. So I, I asked actually to return to what would have been my second um, deployment after, like I said, a number of crystallizations. I think the last, the most, one of the, the more poignant ones before I knew I would apply to be a non-combatant 
um, I was living with my brother at the time, and he he was he professed his, uh, himself as a Christian. Uh, we went to the same youth group, and uh, you know I was going through. I was trying to take my faith more seriously, and we got into an argument over something. And I I did what I thought Christians do. I said, you know, my brother. I told them, you know, could I pray for us? <laughs> my brother is a character. I, I love my brother. He's, he said very smugly, no, you can't pray for us. Um, I think you bring God into the equation when it's convenient for you. And wow. he was talking about the argument specifically, but I, I took the comment generally, and wow. he was right. And that, that was what kind of spurned, like, can I love my enemies at the end of my rifle? Can I do that? And, and after what I'd seen in combat, I, I, I just couldn't swallow that pill. Wow. wow. Yeah, I think that was it. I, just a number of events leading up to my baptism, which, if anything, was, a Chris, was the one moment that my commanders went from being the people wearing the uniforms to being the man who was crucified. Wow. Um, wow. And so, yeah, I really tried to place as much emphasis on my baptism as, as possible. So, so um, did you actually, would you have considered yourself a Christian while you were in the military? Because I know you're talking about yeah. your baptism in 2006 as being a real turning point. Would you have considered yourself a Christian before that, yeah. that, that struggled with the words of Jesus and then had to kind of come to terms with um, how you were going to live that out? Or was, or was it an experience where you became a Christian and then you saw the words of Jesus and went, oh, can't do that, can't go there? How, how did that play out for you? Um, well, I only know how to narrate that through what the church has been doing for some time. And so a lot of soldiers who would become Christians in, say, the first couple of centuries, oftentimes um, they, they were not, quote-unquote, Christians until they were baptized. Um, and, and a vast majority of them, up, up until about the, the middle of the fourth century, when they were baptized and they confessed Christ as Lord, they, they also profess to their commanders they can no longer carry the, a weapon or they cannot be conscripted. Maximilian Tabessa is one guy who refused conscription at the age of 21 and was beheaded. I re- re- renounced, they renounced yeah. the sword basically while they were being baptized. That right. was part of it. Um, and when that came into conflict, they were often martyred. Um, but one man uh, I came across, Martin of Tours, who in the, he was born in 316. He was, he was conscripted against his will um, and he was interested in the faith but he did not call himself a Christian until he was baptized about a year into his military service in the Praetorian Guard, which is the basically Caesar's secret service. It was the one that, that protected the life of Caesar. Um, and he did not, he, he didn't feel, he didn't find it necessary to tell Caesar at that time, I cannot bear the sword any longer, because the sword for him was you was being used to defend Caesar's life. The, the defense of life for him may have been some gray area. It wasn't until 25 some odd years into his military service where Caesar Julian, who he served, um, went to the Battle of Worms in 356 and Martin could not wield a sword against an enemy, um, at least not in war. Maybe if, you know, there's no telling whether or not he had to use a sword to defend Caesar or not, or if it was just... You know, he was something that he knew he had to be prepared for. But at the Battle of Worms, he told Caesar, the most powerful man in the world, um, I've served you long enough. Let me now serve my God. I'm a Christian. Is it permissible for me to fight? Um, and so he's really indicative of kind of, you know, where does our allegiance uh, to country bump up against our faith in God? And it isn't always where we think. Um, for me, um, I was baptized in 2006. And to me, and for the sake of the church, that's when I became a Christian. Um before that, I was calling myself a Christian. Um, I went to youth group. Um, I talked very briefly about the book. Um, I, my parents split up shortly after my 14th birthday, and I started shoplifting as a cry for attention. Got arrested, and then I started going to church because that's what you're supposed to do. 
Um, and so from all high school, I thought I was, I was a Christian, and I thought I was a Christian because I was American. That's that's what we do. And I and post 9/11, that statement can can feel very weird. But before 9/11, before yeah. terrorism, like it was not a big deal. Right. And for me, it was not. I was not like rah rah siskumba. But I was like, yes, I'm American. I'm a proud American, and I salute the flag, and I, you know, pledge allegiance, and I'm a Christian. And it was, it was an assumption. Like one and the other go, they, right. they go. God and country are, are yeah. together. So um, I really tried to narrate my baptism um, as my entry into the church, my entry into this thing we call Christianity. Um, even though for a long time I was calling myself a Christian, and that will be challenging to some people um, that that are that are still. Um, I think trying to wrestle with how to uh, really fully embody their own faith. Um, because I think, for me at least, I only know myself. Um, what I was doing, what I wore was like a set of clothes that I, I called Christianity. And in the wrong context, if I was at a party, I wasn't a Christian. Like, I don't we change the clothes. And, yeah, I yeah. take it off when I don't need it and I put it on when it's appropriate. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't. Now I cannot reflect on that and call that Christianity and yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to say it's as easy as, well, once you're baptized, that's it. Right. Or like once, once something happens or once you're per- persecuted for the faith. A lot of very genuine, very um, incredible Christians are not persecuted for what they believe. Right. Um, and some are. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think it's not as cut and dry as, as I was led to believe as a, you know, as a kid trying to you know, go to a youth group and, and have fun and also try and take this stuff seriously. Yeah, yeah. So now, uh, right now, you're, you're working on your master's in theology, is that right? Yeah, master of theological studies, two-year degree at Duke Divinity School. Wonderful. What's your plans after that? Do you know? I don't know. Um, I'd like to think that it's still an open question. I'm very interested in teaching. Um, there's a lot of stuff I think that we that the church could use and the academy could cho- use in uh, kind of digging more deeply into just worth tradition and pacifism, what they have in common. Um, my thesis will actually be to explore Augustine and Martin of Tours, how they reacted to um, what's called the Priscillian Affair in 385, when um, the, uh, two, two Spanish bishops tried to get Priscillian executed for heresy. And Martin, who had been in the service and who knew Caesars, uh, a couple of the Caesars personally, he could not allow the church to go through with an execution. This is our business. We can take care of this in, in a way that does not require violence. Wow. And he, he actually excommunicated. He left communion with these two Spanish bishops. Um, Caesar approached him and, and convinced him to return to communion, and Priscillian ended up being executed anyway. And Martin went to his grave re- regretting re-entering communion with these two saints who were trying to get another Christian killed. Wow. So um, Augustine didn't begin his ministry until after this, this whole affair where we realized, you know, when stuff gets tough, we can just ask the Caesar to do our dirty work. Yeah. And Martin was not okay with that. Wow. Um, and so Augustine didn't have the tools, I don't think, to really negotiate a, a more robust sense of Christian identity within a state that does not persecute you. Because mm. that's really what Constantine inaugurated was uh, a church that could practice its faith without being under the microscope and without being under persecution. Um, and I think there was blessings and curses in that. Sure. Um, and so I think to, to look to Augustine for something called just war, to understand war, quote-unquote, or to understand military service, I, I think that's problematic. I think we can really rely on the rich tradition of soldier saints like Martin of Tours, Maximilian Tabessa, um, even more, much more popular saints, Francis of Assisi, who founded the Franciscans. He actually, his final 
event in his conversion was turning his back to the Fourth Crusade. He was on his way to go become a knight for the Fourth Crusade, and he, he left. He, t he came back to Assisi and became, became a, a hermit. Another popular one, the Jesuits, um, who were known as God's Marines, um, was founded by Ignatius of Loyola, who was a knight who wanted to be a playboy. He wanted to womanize and have a, a life of glory that, that uh, a martial life would allow him. Um, but he was wounded in battle, and he reads about the lives of the saints and the life of Jesus, Jesus Christ, and it begins a process for him where he's beginning to question where God and country begin and end and, and where um, allegiances lie. And his, his final event before going off to seminary and uh, beginning the company of Jesus, the, the Jesuits, um, last act that he, that he did was to take his sword as a knight in this monastery, um, I think in France, and lay it at the foot of the statue of Mary. Um, and then he went off and did these things and, and founded an order. And so there's wow. a number of saints that are re relatively well known within some churches um, that have these incredible stories around military service that challenge how we think about this. Ignatius was in f the 1500s and he was not persecuted. He didn't have a commander breathing over his neck and you know, telling that he was you know, being, aiding the enemies of, of Spain by laying down his sword. But Martin did, and Martin, Martin bore with a lot of that stuff. And I think he and the rest of the soldier saints have a lot to teach us about how we extricate, or how we are able to distinguish between faith in God and service to country. And I think they're really important models uh, for our faith. And I'd like to explore that possibly in a doctoral program, but it may not, it may not require doctoral work. Well, let me ask you, I, um, I, I remember reading that you've started a website, the Centurions Guild, is, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what exactly is that? Well, Centurions Guild is not an organization. Um, we exist under the Simple Way. The Simple Way is kind of our incubator, um, Simple Way in Philadelphia. Um, and so really what Centurions Guild is, we're trying to uh, be a space for conversation uh, particularly for service members, um, past and present super service members, but even ser people who are thinking about serving, potential service members. Um, our mission save statement is actually to protect and defend um, future, um, uh, past, present, and future service members while bearing true faith and allegiance to God. Mm. Our motto uh, mimics the, uh, the military chaplain's motto, which their motto is for God and country, pro Deo et patria. Our motto takes a little bit further. Our motto is uh, "Pro Deo et Patria in Suo Ordine," which is for God and country in that order. Ooh, and so good. we try wow. and help people wrestle between these conflicting allegiances they have, um, and we're, we we make it we make uh, overt effort to try and step back and say we're not going to tell someone what to do, what's right or wrong. We're going to share our experiences. We're going to try and have honest conversation um, with people that di may disagree with us. Um, one of our founders was uh, is Navy Intelligence, deployed three times after we founded this group. Um, another one of the founders was um, Air Force ROTC, six months from commissioning, um, asked his ROTC commander to give up his commission and paid back a bunch of tuition. And so we're an incredibly diverse group. Um, and we really just try and be a place for conversation um, to provide resources for other people and, and communities that find uh, themselves um, filled, or maybe not filled, but with veterans in their midst and trying to figure out, like, how do we engage with service members, with, with veterans who um, have access to this incredible experience that is being, that, that I think has incredible value, but because it's not being talked about, because we're, it makes us nervous, it gives a lot of anxiety about, like, you know what? You know religion, politics. I mean, it's right. exactly what we're you know got our feet in. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, centurionsguild.org is um, our website. We're actually in the process of. 
developing it now, so it probably looks like crap. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we just try and be a space where people can have conversations. Um, nothing fancy. I mean, we have newsletters um, and we have T-shirts, but I mean, it's really just we'll get a phone call or an email here and there, and we'll just carry on conversations. Sometimes those conversations turn into friendships, and they they become members of the guild themselves. And other times, it's it's just a one or two time thing. And and uh, the the people we talk to go on, and maybe they apply to be CEOs, maybe they don't. Yeah. Um, but we we feel real good about the service we're offering to the church. But you're um, a space where they can engage yeah. with with something that maybe they're not. Um, that they don't have another opportunity to right. dialogue about. Yeah, oftentimes pastors feel very ill-equipped to bring this stuff up, that the scriptures uh, that they have are relatively limited. Um, and because it, it's polarizing, they don't want to inflame their church. Yeah. But the problem yeah. with that is, like, service members often can't figure this out on their own. Right, right. Um, I mean, I was, I was lucky to have a community of people that was helping me do this um, honestly and sympathetically. But a lot of people, um, I was very surprised. I thought that when we started getting calls, um, I thought people would be ranting against military commands, being, like, really angry. And, like, my commander was very upset, and he had some choice words for me. Um, but by and large, it was people's pastors that they felt like, I feel like I can't talk about this in church. Um, and so wow. we're trying to break uh, break forth um, the, the front lines of a conversation that I think has been waiting for a, a number of years to occur um, uh, nationally, but also just actually locally, like within real congregations with real people, with real emotions and real beliefs wow. and real experiences. Um, to kind of put the polemics aside, put the put the ideologies on the shelf, just long enough so where we can have a really um, enriching and uh, meaningful conversation with people that that are often being overlooked. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Logan. Really yeah. appreciate it. Um, website centuriansguild.org. Do you have right. a website for the book as well? Uh, no. Um, you can go to my website, um, feraltheology.wordpress.com, or you can follow my Twitter handle, l m e h l l a i t. URI, sorry. <laughs> yeah, the little at symbol and then uh, my first initial and my last name, which you can find uh, on the book. Perfect. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that's about it. Yeah. Once again, the book's Reborn on the 4th of July, um, available, I think, officially in July. July 4th, right? yeah. Perfect. Thanks so much, Logan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great stuff. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. Logan is just a great guy, and I just really appreciate his perspective. We've talked a lot on this podcast about Christian pacifism and nonviolence as discipleship. And I just really wanted to speak with Logan because I thought, you know, here's someone who is really having to live out his convictions. Someone who has served active duty in a time of war, who came to a conclusion that um, violence and the way of Jesus were not compatible and really had to live out those convictions in an environment wouldn't be very conducive to it. So I, I really just enjoyed the conversation. I hope you guys did too. Make sure to stop by um, centuriansguild.org. That's a site that Logan is actually working on to help people who are coming out of the military, who um, just really need someone to talk to. It's uh, a great place to kind of hook up with people like that. Um, and check out Logan's book, Reborn on the 4th of July. You can get it through InterVarsity Press. You can get it on Amazon, all these different places. Anywhere you buy books, you should be able to get this book, Reborn on the 4th of July. Also, check out Logan's blog. It's Feral Theology. That's F-E-R-A-L, feraltheology.wordpress.com. 
You'll find Logan's thoughts there, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Logan, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. If you want to hook up with us, um, you can do that by visiting our website at beyondtheboxpodcast.com. You can comment on any of the episodes that you see there. We have great discussions that go on there. You can also submit ideas for future podcasts. Um, We have a call me widget on there that you can click to leave audio comments. Um, You can just simply type in your name and phone number and click call me and our widget will actually call you back and you can leave a voicemail for us. Um, You can also, if you want to dial the number directly, that number is 626-246-6269. That's 626-24-NO-BOX. Probably the best way to hook up with us as far as conversation-wise is on our Facebook page. If you go to facebook.com slash beyond the box, we have a great community there of believers who, um, and, and seekers, just a little of everyone, um, who just really enjoy dialoguing about all of these issues. And it's just a real safe place that you can feel free to pretty much uh, comment in any way you like or question in any way you like. You can start a new thread or you can comment on a previous thread. It's just really wide open. Great place to join in the conversation. So I just want to encourage you to do that. Um, if you want to sign up for our Twitter feed, that's twitter.com slash BTB podcast. But anyway, it, however you however you hook up with us, I just hope you join the conversation and most of all that you enjoy the conversation. You might not always agree with it. I totally respect that, totally understand that, but I just really appreciate you taking the time to listen. You guys are just an awesome community. I know I beat this drum hard, but you guys are just amazing and Steve and I just really appreciate fellowshipping with you guys and I don't even like the word fellowship that good. It just seems like such a churchy word. But just really getting to know you and hearing your thoughts and your disagreements. You guys are really awesome. So thanks so much. Logan, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, Just really appreciate what you're doing, brother. Keep up the good work. Everyone, thanks for listening and tune in next time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much.